Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Avengers Age of Ultron, and we've seen the film. Heads up, this will be spoiler-filled. Uh, just thought I'd mention, Lloyd, um, Avengers was our 23rd podcast, and now we're almost up to 123. It seems like quite a while ago. Yeah, it seems like forever ago. Whew. But uh, the Avengers have reformed and assembled, if you will, to uh, bring us the next adventure, and we're here to review it. I was pretty confident going in that, you know... We've seen the love story between the Hulk and ScarJo, the Black Widow character, uh, in the previews and trailers, so I know that's coming. I know that the uh, events in this film will set up Captain America and Iron Man's rivalry for Civil War, which is coming up. As we've talked about, the enemy being robots here is a great enemy, as it was aliens in the first one, and uh, basically now it's like artificial intelligence, and neither are like a human enemy, and you don't create any kind of local war it's like all alien invaders you know taking on the human race and something they can bond over you know were you pretty much going in with any expectations well i want to say i had trouble initially working out some of the chronology of this franchise i was like under the impression that iron man had quit after iron man uh quit being iron man in iron man 3 um Maybe there was something to do with the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, I don't know if anyone actually watches the show. But to be honest, uh, I didn't care too much about all that. I got right into it. But it was just weird to see at the beginning. It's just like, oh, okay, Iron Man's just well as an Avenger. We're not going to waste any time for him to get back into the action. We're just going to go right into it. Um, And I wanted to see more of Strucker, like that bad guy we saw at the beginning. But apparently um, a lot of that was apparently explained in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D which i kept reading about but again i haven't seen one single episode of i did watch about four episodes of it but i don't think it was for me um it just felt like i kept wanting the hulk or somebody to appear and make it credible you know yeah well Um, joss whedon had a lot to do with the tv show i think in fact he actually directed the first episode the pilot episode so uh, i i don't know i hear agents of shield has got a lot of tie-in with the Avengers, and I really loved the first movie, The Avengers. You can go back and listen to that podcast. It's uh, I was really enthusiastic about it, especially coming into it. I was expecting a Fantastic Four movie. So after that, when we saw that, Dave, I saw it with you. I was like, wow, that was... I, I now I've seen it like several times, you know? <laughs> mm. Well, this is it. I mean, I think my issue with Avengers Age of Ultron basically stems from the fact that the first film was that massive crossover, that epic, you know, combination of all the films and, like, you know, they've all uh, hit their stride and suddenly assembling the team is a big deal. And pretty much you can't kind of capture that magic in a bottle again. Uh, This feels like, though it's a continuation, and, you know, it's a pretty straightforward action film, there's a lot to enjoy. It feels like 7 or 8 out of 10 for me because I think it's enjoyable enough, but that magic is gone, that the first film had Mm. and uh for me i mean it's very contained everything that happens in the film feels like there aren't really very many repercussions besides maybe the creation of vision and more mentions of affinity stones or infinity stones rather to you know push the next avengers on us yeah yeah but everybody sort of turns up at the beginning you know they're all together they're carrying on you know straight into the action and by the end everybody just kind of takes off and does their own thing so they can all be kind of isolated again you know they create a bit of a new avengers team we'll get to that but um did you see trailers at the head of this yeah i did Uh, i i watched um all the ones that got leaked i usually don't like to watch trailers at all but it just seems to be a huge thing now. Like a trailer is a huge event, you know. When a sneak, like with the Star Wars uh, sneak peek, had just come out, uh, an extended tra- trailer, if you will, and it was really great. Like um, it has a huge 
um, impact. I, I think it's amplified even more with social media because we're getting, um, you know, YouTube celebrities, their actual reactions to the to watching the trailer and then they comment on it. It's really sublime. You're seeing multiple reviews now. You're seeing reviews of the teasers and the trailers and then you're seeing reviews of the movie. It's a really interesting culture that we're in now. I know. Honest Trailers even did a teaser review of Batman vs Superman just of the just the of teaser the teaser trailer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Screen Junkies. I think they're they're amazing. Nice. Um, I had well, Fantastic Four as well as Ant Man were in my trailers, and so obviously both. I think that was the same with mine. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the other two were San Andreas with The Rock and Pitch Perfect Two, so like not quite on on topic there, but. You know, setting up the Fantastic Four is great, but Ant Man. I feel like Ant Man is being created just to join the Avengers at some point. Really, he's he's in that universe. Yeah, well, he's Marvel, so you can stick him with the Avengers. I mean, yeah. Well, I, I want to go back um, for a second before we get right into it. Uh, what I kept raving about, and you brought this up several times in that podcast, was the how how much um, I love team movies. Um, in Fast and Furious Seven, I kept going on about how much I love that team. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, again, the first Avengers movie was so sublime. Uh, I think I've seen it several times. It's really fun. Age of Ultron focuses a lot more on, as you said, Hawkeye, Hulk, and um, I think Black Widow. Yeah, I'd say she's one of the central figures in Age of Ultron, definitely. Um, they they take more center stage and Thor and almost Captain America and Iron Man, uh, you know, almost in the background. I, I want to say Captain America, uh, t- Iron Man, sorry, is more centralized than that. Um, I like the idea of this movie that these invincible superheroes are broken up simply by mind games. Like, they each have to venture into, like, this inner torment. And at first I hated it. I was like, oh, gosh, we're in a mind games movie. But I liked it how each knew that they were in a dream. But the fantasy or images that they saw were very real and brought up these inner demons that they each had to face. Like Stark, with his possible PTSD from saving the world in the previous film, where he goes up into space getting that nuclear bot missile mm-hmm. out, then he falls back. And I think Iron Man 3 referenced that really brilliantly. And then you got Black Widow, gosh knows what horrors she's done in the past. Thor with, I think, a possible reference to Ragnarok, and I only know that from watching the Vikings History Channel show, so I'm not too sure what's going on with Thor's um, flashbacks there. Uh, Hulk, I'm assuming, with his rage. And Captain America, who I think is an extremely tragic figure, you know, I said again and again that he's a victim of American propaganda, and I think he actually hates, like, the world, the modern world that he's living in, but he's trying to come to terms with it. And But I didn't think the nightmare sequence that he was given wasn't as strong as it could have been like he's just there at a dance that never happened Mm. i thought they could have ventured a bit more into that Uh, i think there's an interesting jackal and hyde theme here or a frankenstein theme here that robert downey jr references in the film to um to banner that they are mad scientists creating monsters and really the world will now suffer due to their you know creations so the whole film is meta in a way i think that that these avengers are they villains while their intentions are good they are causing pain and suffering particularly with the hulk and iron man fighting you know you know what i mean i know that's not iron man or hulk's fault like he did get mind games but they are the the initiators of that you know causing a lot of destruction um Mm. stark usually usually has that burden because his family made their fortune making weapons to kill people effectively and that's referenced with the twins and in a way captain america as well is like a monster designed to destroy the enemies of america's and i think it's interwoven into the whole film a sense of that that dark heart that pulsates in every scene the avengers share that these guys while their intentions might be good, they are causing pain and suffering. And the fact that this is this team is centralized in America it makes me think like Joss Whedon is commenting that that's his comment on modern day America and like what's going on. I I, I just feel there's that layer there. Oh, I have to say, Dave. By the way, I saw this film in 3D, and I want to say that uh, on at Hoyt's extreme screen, and I want to say. Um, you get an all-new appreciation of the incredible, incredibly voluptuous Scarlett Johansson and the beautiful <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> in 3D. Yeah, in 3D. They look fantastic. Well, no, you, you, you've said a lot just then. I want to unpack a little yeah, bit yeah, of sure. that. 
so the mind control stuff um i've read some criticisms that you know the first film there was mind control with the the scepter and so it's a bit more of the same you know hawkeye was basically under the control of loki for most of the first film yeah with the thor stuff taking a back seat I read that um, there was t- about 20 minutes of Thor storyline cut out of this film. Oh, right. And that makes sense to me because there's so little for Thor to do besides fight and talk about the hammer and, and stuff like that. Uh, there was the whole sequence where he goes and meets up with Stellan Skarsgård, the doctor from the Thor movies, mm-hmm. and they go to a puddle and he tries to remember his dream. Felt very forced to me. That felt like a sequence that was basically there so chris hemsworth took his shirt off <laughs> I, I don't know why that was in there it felt unnecessary he and and you could have lost all of that stuff and the skeleton guys got cameo uh you could have had him stay with hawkeye's family and um chop wood with tony stark and captain america because then he could have taken his shirt off they could have been intimidated by him he could have chopped wood and then the line about you know, don't touch my firewood, don't touch my pile, that Tony says is even funnier because there's two of them, you know. <laughs> and there would have been kind of a, like, you know, pissing contest going on between the three of them then. Yeah. Chopping wood, you know, who's doing the best job. But the stuff he did, he was like, I've got to go, fly into the air, go meet Stellan Skarsgård wearing a hoodie, which must be, like, how he looks in, uh, what's that Michael Black Mann movie? Hat. That- I can't wait. <laughs> it must be what he looks like in that. Uh, and then, you know just to go and see his scene in a puddle that didn't add anything to the movie. Yeah, it just that, made that's it a good point. Well, how do you think that would explain his whole um, dream sequence? What, he just has a nightmare while they're chopping wood or something, like, in the house, like he's trying to um, relax? Um, I sort of... I felt like you didn't need to have him sure. come back to it, almost. Like, that can be addressed in the next movie. Yeah. I mean, Idris Elba had a little cameo there, but that can sort of set up stuff for Thor 3. Oh, and was I right? Was that a Ragnarok reference, or am I completely I wrong? D- I really don't know. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't I, tell you. Again, I, keep feel like, I feel like I keep missing things, because I haven't seen all the Marvel movies, but I have... I've done pretty well. Like, I think... I feel like I've seen all of them. Um, but watching Age of Ultron, I felt like, oh, I must have missed something. Like, to be honest, I, I didn't know anything about Black Widow and the Hulk had a romantic relationship. I, I didn't know oh. that at all. I was like, oh, okay, they must in have the, a relationship. In the first film, I mean, in the first film, she recruits him. There's a little bit of, like, well, flirting a little bit. But pretty much um, it's in all the, the materials, like the trailers and stuff for this film. So I knew going in that they were sort of heading that way. Yeah, okay. And really, I think... They could have, you know, made out. They could have kissed in some scene. I thought it was between her and Hawkeye. So when Hawkeye introduced his love sequence, I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're, they're pitching this whole uh, Black Widow Hulk thing for a bit. And um, they really should have had them make out, right? And then she could have said something like, you know, you're not feeling angry, are you? And then he could have been said, far from it, you know, and then they get interrupted. They should have had something. There was all this sort of unresolved tension between mm. them. Yeah. Uh, that they must be saving for another film. I really have an image in my head of, you know, Hulk's gone off in the stealth ship, which we'll get to, and he's disappeared. So they won't have him in uh, anything until Avengers Part 1, Infinity Stones Part okay, 1. Okay, so he won't even be in Captain America Civil I'm War. I'm just guessing. No, I'm just yeah, gonna, no that, that's a pretty good guess, yeah. I think they'll save him. And then he'll appear towards the end of that part. So at the end of it, you're like, oh part two is going to have the hulk and we've missed him and he's awesome mm. you know you sort of save that energy they'll need him to come back at some point you know just yeah uh, <laughs> and i just wanted to address one other thing you said you mentioned the whole uh you know america thing the commentary on america yeah maybe it, i feel like doing. yeah maybe that's uh, because i know joss whedon gets a little bit political um uh, outspoken with certain subjects that come up in america i can't I can't um, back this up too much, but I do remember him appearing in an ad about uh, something about voting or something like that. So I, kn- I know he has a political mindset, and I feel like it's implicit in this film. When um, the, it opens with action, we have all of them attacking. They're all in a European country. It reminded me of Team America, <laughs> uh, the beginning of that where they you know shoot the <laughs> Eiffel Tower great. and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then... Like in Team America, it cuts to them, you know, that like party sequence where they're all dancing and like everybody's having a great time. And shortly after that sequence, it had their like party sequence for, you know, their victory celebration 
shortly after doing that whole European thing. And I just, I thought there was a Team America like <laughs> reference in there. So I saw it too. I saw it as well. I just wanted I, to let I, you know. It was also implicit. Um, I think wh- when they're in that um, uh, Eastern European country and you had Iron Man's uh, bots telling everyone, calm down, move along, and there's almost mm-hmm. like a riot. And it, it just felt like, and, and especially with the speech, um, Strucker, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, gives his men, he goes, we will um, we will fight back. And, you know, and then he quickly says, I'm going to give up. <laughs> you know, um, there I'll is never that give imp- up. I'm going to go surrender. <laughs> yeah, th- there seems the driving force of all those soldiers to keep fighting on against the impossible Avengers and the people to defy Iron Man's robots. It seems like the Eastern Europeans are against the Americans telling them what to do. That that mm. that's the implication I got from those scenes. Um, that although there's this powerful godlike force on the planet called the Avengers, uh, uh, there are parts of the world that don't agree and don't like them. And this, I guess, foreshadows what could be um, the big political or ideology ideological battles in um, civil war that you mentioned in Iron Man Three. Mm. Let me read you something I found on an IMDb message board. It's from a poster who calls himself or herself Wassler, W-A-S-L-A-H. The Iron Legion is exactly the same effing thing as he had before. Exactly the same thing. It's just a more advanced version of it because Tony is always advancing his technology. But at its core, there is absolutely no difference. There really isn't an argument to be made there really isn't an argument to be made that would wipe this massive contradiction between Age of Ultron and Iron Man 3 away. It's actually a bigger plot hole than the fact that Tony didn't bother to use his battalion of robot drones when his house was being attacked in IM3 in the first place. There's a lot of an issue going on online about this uh, Iron Legion business, and the fact that, like you say, Iron Man maybe stopped being Iron Man at the end of Iron Man 3, maybe dismantled all these robots and decided to stop doing sorry this, um was the guy's complaints uh a lack of the the chronology between iron man 3 and avengers or what, what was yeah his complaint con- confusion that? about iron man 3's ending and how it relates to age of ultron i see pretty much so just the fact that he stopped doing all this and like saw the error of making all these robots like in iron man 3 there's all these automated robots he makes you know they're remote controlled and everything he sort of sees the error of that at the end of iron man 3 right i think so yeah i i actually saw iron man 3 recently and all i can think of at the moment is um you know the main villain who's in prometheus i can't believe i'm forgetting just turning red and destroying everything i'm struggling to think of exactly what happened but yeah I, I do remember all his robots attacking like all and it just turns into like a big transformers battle um and he it's funny at the end i don't know and his girlfriend's got superpowers now or something no oh, she wears a suit for a while or something anyway <laughs> she, she wasn't in this they quickly answered away the fact that gwyneth paltrow and natalie portman were not available for this film <laughs> oh no jane is off doing this and pepper's doing this yeah they're both very impressive <laughs> i want i want to talk about um his sense of humor joss win because it's all over this film do you think sometimes it's too much and he destroys some of the moods with it or do you think it was just right like it came in the right moments because my cinema was packed all avengers fanatics there they know way more about marvel comics than i ever will um which is so strange i grew up with marvel comics and i i know nothing of marvel <laughs> comics and i used to, used to buy them all the time um and they laughed at every joke um in this movie they thought it was hilarious it, it, if you were just to listen to the audience um i watched it with you'd think oh wow that's the funniest movie ever you know but there were times i felt like is sometimes he could have just backed off a little bit of the comedy and just let it just play it straight a few times just to let it um let the drama sink in um well i think it needed to have those comedic moments we've talked before about how superman man of steel was didn't have a sense of humor and that was a great point yeah that it was too dark look i suppose that most of the jokes landed though the biggest moment in the film for my audience was vision lifting <laughs> that was lifting great thor's hammer i love i love it was it was leaked in the trailers and that was one of my funniest parts i had to watch it like three or four times and everyone's trying to pick up thor's hammer and yeah. uh, you know iron man has got and captain america picks it up and it slightly moves 
and then Ka- and then Thor's like uh, you know giving a worrying look, and then he mm. smiles with huge relief once he ca- once he gives up <laughs> once Captain America gives up. Oh my gosh! Uh, I bet you everyone in my cinema had seen that moment several times watching the trailer over and over again, but still that moment hit a chord with everyone. So Joss Whedon just has that terrific ability. Like if you can write comedy, man, you can do anything, and Joss Whedon has that in spades. I agree. I think I think it was necessary. I think a lot of the jokes landed. I think it was humorous. I just think the first one was funnier. I, I suppose I enjoyed the first one more. It was a bigger experience. And I mean, I don't doubt that... Let's talk about box office. I feel like this is going to be a huge movie. I mean, uh, a billion, 1.2 billion. Wow. You know, the, the first one <laughs> made 1.5, so maybe this will make even more. The uh, The fact is it doesn't matter because Star Wars will make the most. regardless of how much this makes the highest rated film the highest uh, grossing film will be star wars 7 yeah it's going to be the highest grossing film of all time in december when everybody goes to watch it and then watches it five more times (laughs) this is what's going to happen i mean that's the reality of this so i feel like we're padding and we're waiting for that to come out almost did you see this in 3d I did not. Well, I saw it in 3D. Apparently, I saw a few extra minutes. Like, I mentioned to somebody, I said, oh, I watched it in 3D. Oh, you saw a few extra minutes. I'm like, I I don't remember. I I didn't stay to the very end of the credits like you're supposed to. I stayed to the first part. Like there the, was nothing at the end. There was, was nothing fine. at the end, but I don't know yeah. if it was in 3D. There might have been something at the end. So, no. I, I don't know if... Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon said there would be nothing at the end. Okay. In case people wanted to stick around, yep. he said before it was released. In fact, the release strategy for this has been really interesting. America getting it like a week later than Australia is very unusual. Yeah, that that's really unfortunate for me because all the critics I love to rip off for my podcast, I couldn't do that <laughs> because I have to wait now a whole week. <laughs> You'll just have to be original. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that, Dave. All right. Um, do you, you want to get into the issues this? with the movie? or? Oh, I just want to talk about it, really. Okay, I mean, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Hulkbuster suit. Oh yeah, that was cool. <laughs> what the was the girl's film... name? The Jarvis is gone, and now there's another um, Veronica. I think it is. W- whatever uh, the female name for the robot that he has. Well, it... I think Veronica was sort of just the name of the program sure. that, or the the name like Project Veronica, if you will. Yeah. We we need Veronica. It was just the thing they designed to try and stop Hulk. Yeah. When he next exploded, or had a code green. But um, initially, I mean, the Hulkbuster was the thing in the trailer that everyone went, whoa, this movie's going to be amazing. Yeah. You know? However, it was really just isolated to one sequence. And I suppose it, uh, in retrospect, it feels like just another thing you can sell a toy to. Why doesn't he just wear the Hulkbuster suit all the time? Why doesn't that well, just become his main suit now? As well, it was pointed out that when he gets into the Hulkbuster suit, his arms have to be basically by his sides and he's like doing some kind of remote control stuff like he's holding at his hips because his arm is ripped off yeah. and his real arm is not ripped off so like he's standing there basically hands by sides the whole time that'd be a really weird way to fight <laughs> if you think about it but um i thought maybe it was sort of setting up something for the final act you know like they would use it to temporarily trap ultron or something you know, yeah. just it never really paid off. Yeah, I think like it, he, you, I think he would have tore a lot more of Ultron's um, army if he had that suit on. That's true. Yeah, definitely. But like I was just saying, it it feels in retrospect like just a toy, just for the kids. You know, now they want a Hulkbuster toy. Yeah, and we had I mean, to have best- that moment where they fight. You know, um, Hulk versus um, Iron Man, and we had Iron Man versus uh, Thor. Uh, in the first one, which is a cool battle. I feel like, mm-hmm. like you said, it's the same movie. The second one is very much the same movie, and this is the moment where one of the Avengers fights each other. I want to talk about Hawkeye, because I feel like he got too much time, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like him? Well, to be honest, when you introduced his wife and kids and his secret hideaway, uh, it was like giving him the backstory that no one else, uh, like everyone else had, rather. Hawkeye hadn't been given any backstory. He just appeared in the first Thor movie and was aiming an arrow at Thor and then got to be in the Avengers. But um, we didn't really get any backstory for the character or anything and pretty much just slowed the movie right down. 
Um, uh, the, the pacing was very good besides those scenes. They felt like a real lull. And it wasn't even as if the dialogue was exceptionally witty or anything at that time. Yeah, I just was waiting for it to sort of tick along. And it was either setting it up so if they killed him off, it would have more emotional impact. Or the second thing is if he doesn't come back, you know why. Yeah. Which one of those things happens. He doesn't come back. He's not in the team at the end of the uh, the Avengers Age of Ultron. So he's stopped, in theory, to go and be with his family because this was, you know, could have killed him. Joss Whedon also gives him the best line of the movie, I think, where he goes, look, i got a bow and arrow, none of this makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you That's know. what the audience thinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Joss Whedon ultimately thinks. <laughs> mm. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, you can't beat anybody. <laughs> There's no point doing a quick captain america versus hawkeye fight or anything because hawkeye would lose against everyone else in the team <laughs> you know well what about i think he's got a bit of a fighting chance against um scarlett johansson although he did lose when they did fight in the first one in the first one yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's yeah he's the weak link in the team although now they've created a new team at the end um because in the avengers comics the team was ever changing it was always a changing roster so it makes sense to continue to um evolve the team and you can kind of add and subtract people and you know as time goes on what does his wife say i don't mind all your avenging or something like yeah, that. yeah <laughs> i support your avenging <laughs> Oof. my first issue with this movie is the physics of it i don't quite understand the physicality of the, a lot of the action uh maybe our listeners could comment in or you could clear it up for me dave Captain America gets shot several times by Ultron in the chest, like he misses blocking with his shield, right? But there is no effect. He takes a hit and, and then gets back up. So it might be a vest of some sort. And if that's the case, then why not wear the entire suit out of that material and you're pretty much invincible and just charge right at Ultron because you can't die? Or why not Ultron just simply use a more powerful projectile? Like, I, I, I don't get it. From what I saw, if Ultron hits you once with those laser things, you're dead, right? But Captain America takes a few hits, or maybe I watched the scene wrong, I, I don't know. But basically, after I saw that, a lot of the danger... Um, for the superheroes went for me and remember what john carpenter said a film is only as good as its villain and if the antagonist isn't a threat then a huge element of the drama goes and, and then my next problem with the film is that they introduce characters way too late in the movie and it becomes very crowded i like i like hawkeye's family and everything like that nick fury's back we have ultron in an ideological battle between him and his super twin super twin scarlet witch and quicksilver and then they introduced vision at that point i was like seriously like who the hell is this guy like i remember vision vaguely from the comics but i didn't know too much about him and i was like okay so he's an embodiment of the infinity stone is he like uh, Thor is he a god what kind of powers does he have and that brings me to, to, to the problem of, of Captain America the first movie the antagonist is too underpowered like I understand he has an entire comet headed to earth and can kill everyone but really he wasn't projected as a real threat at all like his army fell like flies to the Avengers who were just shooing them away and it was kind of like um uh, like the Star Wars prequels with all those droids, the Jedis were just cutting up left and right. <laughs> like I never felt they were in danger at all. And I thought those droids looked so weak, didn't <laughs> oh, they? Oh yeah, jeez. And like even even um uh, Nick Fury shoots one with a handgun. You know when he crashes through the main ship of one of the one of the shield ships. I don't know. That was literally all Nick Fury did. He came <laughs> back, he talked in that barn, and he shot that one thing. That was it. <laughs> I love his Didn't line he? at the end. He goes, well, you hope for the best. You work with what you got, you know. I'm just like, yeah. Mm. That's, that's. Um, and I thought the title, Age of Ultron, would have meant a longer period as well. Maybe spanning two films or something. Instead, we get one movie. And I felt they didn't probe into the villain enough. They went 
with a more Pinocchio theme with Ultron that, you know, his puppet, the puppet strings are now severed and it's alive. Personally, I prefer a Frankenstein monster born from a scientist and, you know, he's unsure of the world he's born into. And let's face it, Ultron really is uh, born from Stark's ego. He embodies, like, something really dark and sinister with um, t- with Stark, with Iron Man. And I think Sonic on a more Frankenstein theme would have been better because I never quite understood Ultron at all, despite being such a cool bad guy. Great voice work by James Spader. So I, I-, I kind of felt sorry for him because he was so underpowered, but I didn't feel he was a tragic character like Joss Whedon wanted. I think Whedon wanted you to feel sympathy sympathy for Ultron but they didn't tap into him that uh, enough and that goes back to what you were saying how not enough time was given to these characters and I think they could have dropped some of the characters in this movie and throw everything they had um, into building up Ultron because Age of well, Ultron there, yeah there's a lot of complaints about Ultron online you can find them easily the um the fact that he's just kind of a monologuing idiot <laughs> And that he his blasts, like you say, his blasts are ineffective. Somebody pointed out, and I don't know if this is 100% true, that the Doctor who is there when they're building basically the Vision body, uh, the Doctor who's he kidnaps, you know, um, she gets blasted. The really and pretty Asian girl. <laughs> yeah, and she, she doesn't die because she's there at the end. Yeah, she doesn't, like she, does she? No, apparently not. I don't really remember her at the end. But yeah, The, the only person blasts, that dies is Quicksilver from... An airplane that Ultron was um, was piloting, shooting people with bullets. Hmm. You know, he's he's the um, architect of his physical body. I'm assuming he'd put on some awesome arsenals to really deal with the Avengers. He was so underpowered. Like, there was never a moment in the film I felt like anyone could die. So when Quicksilver died, I was like, oh, well, okay, so somebody died. That came as a shock to me. But... Uh, I know I understand a whole comment is hitting Earth. Billions of people could die, so billions of people's lives are at stake. But as far as him fighting the Avengers, I just felt sorry for him. I just thought, well, you're you're screwed, man. You don't stand a chance. Yeah, the the comet was, of course, uh, like a part of a country, so it was a huge piece uh, of the Earth that it was being lifted up and then hurled back at Earth. Ultron, let's discuss that ship he gets into so first of all he goes via the internet so you know he's everywhere and then which when doesn't Vision make sense al- like the moment they go to J- jeremy renner's house and they're on their laptops trying to look for stuff doesn't ultron know where they are now mm-hmm. you'd think so i don't know i don't know either but um uh, vision who never gets a name in the movie anyway but vision um goes on and like erases him from everywhere online and stuff like just so he's then one sort of physical embodiment of Ultron. Um, but he's still like commanding an army. Presumably he has control over all of them. Uh, so they all have a little bit of him in it or something. And the thing that I found interesting was as they all sort of fell, why would he get into a ship at all? Like the stealth plane he was in that he's shooting. I don't know why he would ever get into that. Why doesn't he just fly? Why doesn't he just fly? Yeah. Why doesn't he... I think he realised like, that, oh, crap, all my weapons are ineffective. Maybe this will have some effective weapons. <laughs> but it's just bullets. Yeah. <laughs> like, he could have well, just there, had there a were, gun or... They were more effective than his um, plasma things he was firing. Interestingly, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that That's a real plot hole. Like, he should be more powerful and shouldn't need to get into a plane. That The Avengers could be in a plane. Like... Because Captain America gets hit, like, during that whole chase sequence, which is really exciting and fun, and Captain America's on the truck trying to stop Ultron before he uploads his whole body into Vision's body. But Captain America gets hit, and when he got hit and he just fell, and he's back up again fighting, I'm like, all the drama on all the danger went out the window. Well, I just went, from that moment on, I went, I went oh, well, Ultron now doesn't stand a chance. He's not an effective villain if he can't hurt anyone in this movie. And... I don't know. I notice things like this because I'm such an action freak. And uh, to me, that really upset the drama for me a lot. And I, again, I really liked Age of Ultron, but there were just little things like that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I have two problems with that whole chase sequence. One is that Iron Man is not there. Yeah, where's Iron Man? That's what I was asking. I was like, <laughs> where's Iron Man? When is he going to be turning up? Where's Iron Man or the Hulk? I know the Hulk doesn't want to turn into the Hulk, so forget it. No Hulk. But Iron Man is just... Tony Stark is sitting there with Bruce Banner. They're just chatting. And when they bring back the body, they're like, thanks. 
<laughs> what were you guys and doing? <laughs> nobody's like, we could have really used you oh, out I'm there. sure there was something. There had to have been a reason. No, there was no, absolutely no reason. When you rewatch that, you'll go, why isn't Iron Man helping them at all? <laughs> there is no absolute, no, no reason. He's not calibrating anything or building anything. He's waiting for them to bring back the body. And having a person who can fly would have really helped them. <laughs> anyway, the second problem I had was, at the end of that sequence, uh, Ultron kidnaps Black Widow. But he doesn't kidnap her to kill her, or even really use her as bait. He just wants to tell her, like, monologue to her, and just, you can't sort of do that on his own. Yeah. It felt like a really odd moment in the film, and people have said, why did he not kill her, or why didn't he try and kill her, or why did anything you know convince her to join him maybe it was like anything. a bargaining chip maybe he just wanted that card in his hand maybe it was a strange strange chip and i suppose like when scarlet witch and quicksilver both you know he's fast and she's weird when um they come in and ultimately see him for what he is you know and she realizes ultron's you know uh, a bad guy you know they decide to join the avengers maybe there was some plan there for her to take over black widow's mind or something Mm -hmm. use black widow against them but obviously it never eventuated so it sort of feels like a weird loose end let's talk about quicksilver's death ultimately i didn't see it coming but i read like i didn't look for any information until after i'd seen the film i read that everybody had contracts for um future films uh except for scarlet witch and quicksilver Right. So, so you and, you were thinking one of them would die. Well, no, I read it. I read this afterwards. Oh, okay. So sorry, I, yeah. I didn't look for any information before I saw the film, and then a couple of days before the film came out, Elizabeth Olsen uh, signed on to appear in Civil War. So the only one who hadn't signed on for another film was the actor playing Quicksilver. He can appear in flashbacks. <laughs> well, I think ultimately one day what we'd like to see is the crossover of X Men and Avengers. We'd like to see, you know, Spider-Man. We'd like to see Fantastic Four. Everybody in, be in the same world. And if they already have a Quicksilver character in X-Men, which they do, and he's going to appear in um, X-Men Apocalypse, it just confuses people. Mm. And it's not a bad thing for them to go, let's get rid of him. To kill him off, there's no real stakes. They've only just introduced him. They always sort of had that in mind. And when then uh, we do get that ultimate kind of crossover of X-Men and Avengers, and you bring in Quicksilver, one of the guys from Avengers can say, you remind me of somebody, but I can't put my finger on it, you know? You can have that kind of subtle joke, you know, come back. Yeah. And then you can have as well, I mean, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, I don't know if you know this, Lloyd, they're Magneto's kids. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Cool. So you can also have that angle play in where they're orphans, but they don't realize, you know why they have powers mutants blah 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 Mm -hmm. ultimately i think one day we will see this but i think this film unfortunately is sort of showing us that they're sort of hitting their stride right but it's the same it's sort of we're no longer each film being better than the last this one is not the best film this one's just more of the same sure so I'm saying 7 or 8 out of 10. I'm not saying it's terrible. I just feel like Avengers was more like 8 or 9 out of 10, you know? I think ultimately it's a bit forgettable because Ultron doesn't change anything. The stakes are like the world could end again. And we know that it's not because of all the follow-up films that were announced. Interesting so, point that you made. The first villain was an alien. The second villain was uh, machines that something that they created. So we're getting Ma- Matrix-y, terminator ish mm-hmm. um and now the third villain will be themselves in civil war that's an interesting like avengers is really thrown around you know i think ultimately it should be against the people like the non-heroes that should be the villains like people turning against them which we saw brief moments of uh, as we said at the beginning of this film how the eastern europeans are against the americas um yeah it's funny too because that's the plot of like batman superman yeah <laughs> is that superman's a false idol he's you know this god that people worship and you know we shouldn't be worshiping him and blah 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 we're sort of getting that a little bit here but they save so many civilians that it's sort of showing the avengers are good guys you know doing the thing that man of steel didn't do very well saving the people you know they say that building is abandoned before the hulk and the hulkbuster suit go through it yeah 
You know, they're like, oh, this building's abandoned. Great. <laughs> so we don't go, how many people died on that construction site? Well, how you many know? people died in that battle? I, I, I'd like to think a lot of people had died and that these Avengers are a threat to the everyday people and people did die ju- during the big battle with Ultron. You know, I, I like to think that like, people, you know, so it's like an entire mm. city was destroyed. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think the best line of the film was, what's the vibranium for? Oh, I'm glad you asked, because I wanted to take the time to explain my evil plan. (laughs) I thought that was a nice kind of Joss Whedon moment. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, Quicksilver's death, if we can jump back to it, he's faster than a bullet. When you see Quicksilver in X-Men, he's pushing bullets around, you know, easily. And when you see him in this, there's that moment where they shoot from below and shatters the glass they're standing on. The bullet flies in front of his face in slow motion. So if he is able to... I mean, he goes to save Hawkeye uh, and a little civilian. And so he pushes them out of the way, but he doesn't isn't able to move from the bullets that he's faster than. That's a great that point, yeah. It bothered me a little bit, just to be honest. It wasn't like a clean death. I don't feel like he would have... He didn't become an Avenger as much as Scarlet Witch became an Avenger. Mm-hmm. She had more of a turning point where she realized the evil. She said... I'm going to do this. And she came out of that room and helped them and became an Avenger. You know, there was more of a, like, growth to her. But for him, it was just like, I still don't like Stark. I don't believe that he would save Stark's, you know, friend Hawkeye. Because he still hadn't really had that, I suppose, character change. Sure. I, and when he says... I love his, um when he dies, though, and Hawkeye just feels so awful and carries his body and everything like that. And then he says, I bet you didn't see that coming, you know, in reference to what Hawkeye said when he shot that bullet through the glass. It was really touching, yeah. Yeah, it was a good callback, good line. And, and I I sat... I was watching this with Tess, my wife, and she uh, was sitting there, and, and she loved the, the Hulk uh, and Scarlet Witch... Uh, sorry, not Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Johansson, mm-hmm. Black Widow love story. That was, I think, in there for female viewers uh, because I've heard some people bagging it, but chicks dig it, I suppose. Chicks dig, sorry, uh, what the... The romantic storyline, the subplot between Black Widow and Bruce Banner, you know. Are you guys playing there. Hide the Green Zucchini? <laughs> I was the only one laughing in my cinema at that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I turned to her and I said, I'll bet they named their kid after him so his name was pietro and they had that little video that black widow was watching so i absolutely saw that beat coming but they they did a middle name because they already knew the first name and so the middle name was pietro yeah but just like obviously he's gonna remember that forever you know that's that's something that's with him you don't forget when people save your life i suppose even if it's a comic book movie yeah i suppose the the hulkbuster suit thing my issue was that if you dropped that sequence out of the film it wouldn't change the film at all there was no reason for it besides i think to sell toys and be a cool action sequence really uh, i never felt ultron's reason as well for hating tony stark and the avengers uh, i never quite understood his his like he kept focus he kept saying if you guys can only see what i see I, I I never quite understood that. Like he's just going to wipe away a huge percentage of humans, and then they have to the survivors have to evolve into a more cybernetic, pro, um, you know, thing. And it just goes back to that technophobic idea of the cyborg or artificial intel- intelligence. That what the Terminator James Cameron touched on the Terminator, where we create something so intelligent, you know, just wipes all of us out. I think that's what Joss Whedon was getting at. But Ultron seemed to be really human as well, in in a lot of ways. Like uh, I, th- there was this gravitating force of tragedy that wanted to come out, but there wasn't enough time for it to come out. Mm. Um, yeah, like Vision. It, it, it's really uh, said with J- Vision how he goes. I, d- I really don't want to kill Ultron. He's really special, but I understand we have to destroy him and every bit of him. Um, and they have a moment at the very end of the film. Um, between Vision and Ultron, and I thought that would have been a great moment to get both their sides out, but I, I didn't feel like it was strong enough. Yeah, uh, as well. And I don't understand I what's Ultron's superpower. Like, if he is an Infinity Stone, like a human body Infinity Stone, isn't he like the most powerful Avenger there? You mean Vision? You said Vision. Ultron, sorry, excuse me. You're Ultron. right. Oh, no, Ultron. I think, <laughs> I think they're setting up vision who seems ridiculously powerful right yeah 
I think they're setting him up as this amazing, awesome character so that Thanos can kill him and take the stone. And then we think Thanos is more powerful. So there are six stones. Guardians of the Galaxy is going to tie into this as well. But it's such a busy franchise at the moment. Too many characters in this film to give them more adequate screen time. Uh, So they have to kind of bring in Thanos and kill a few people or like shake it up so we basically think that he's tougher than Ultron, you know, who his blasts couldn't kill people, if you will. Well, I understand each of the characters that you see in Avengers are worth billions of dollars in toys and yes. um, uh, movie spin-offs and everything, so they're very afraid to kill anyone. As you said, Hawkeye and Scarlett Johansson are probably the ones with the biggest flags on them to die. Um, if they're going to kill anyone off, Captain America worth way too much money, Hulk worth way too much money, I and mean, he's practically invincible anyway. Uh, Thor, gosh, don't even go there. Iron Man, don't even go there. They're, they're not going to die. They're worth too much money. Yes. Without the threat of them dying, um, I, I, I don't know. I just hope Thanos doesn't have the same um, problem as Red Skull or Ultron. I really want to see a bad guy with a lot of effect. Like The reason for me why Avengers was so successful is because you had this army coming through this hole but you had no idea what was going to come through that hole. Yes, they were killing people left and right but they were just dealing with an enemy and as we are watching it we had no idea what kind of firepower they had. We had no idea what kind of um, what was going to come out of the hole. We saw this big leviathan. It was all implied and done really well. You you know, like there was this constant danger. Wow, if the army gets through, they're screwed. Oh my gosh, there's this nuclear missile coming. It's going to wipe out everyone. It was just chaos. It was so brilliant. In this one, the biggest fault, as I said, uh, the droid issue in, in in the prequels of Star Wars, the droids did nothing to the Jedis. Like every time you saw droids with guns, you just thought, oh, well, the Jedis are just going to use their magic force and kill everyone you know all the all the droids in this one every time i saw ultron and his uh, minions i didn't feel any danger at all to anyone possibly dying no there was uh that sequence as well where he says is that the best you can do and then all of them charge at them right and they're surrounding that reactor looking part yeah that's Um, right and they're just dropping them like flies yeah and as well the way that was shot it was so claustrophobic you were too close to the avengers and it just sort of circled around them a little bit it showed nothing of them hitting these people so you just knew it was happening slightly off screen it's a very kind of weird way to shoot it and again the stakes were very strange at that point it was a bit like those droids i completely i can i can completely get that reference just um you know you don't feel threatened yeah knowing yeah knowing these guys are going to be around for the franchise you know in the future it's yeah it's a complicated one because you saw how hard when the ultron robots first appeared you see how hard it was for them to kill like they'd smash a guy in half and he's still fighting back and tony stark had to grab i know he wasn't in an iron man costume but he had to grab that um that corkscrew thing and uh, sorry, the Phillips head screwdriver or whatever it was and put it into the robot and try to the get neck, to a sensitive yeah. part to turn him off. And yep. Captain America, I know, he, it was a struggle to get to his shield. But when those robots were cut in half, they were still fighting back and they felt like a real threat. Wow, when as soon as Ultron gets a bit of time, he's going to be invincible. Where was all that threat that we saw in that scene all throughout the movie? It just wasn't there. Why, when Ultron was riding in that... In that um, uh, a truck and trying to get all his information into the vision um, mach- yep. machine. The Where body, was all these robots the there? Where were all these bodyguards? Why didn't he have an army of guys surrounding him? Just, just little. Uh, I know I'm nitpicking here, but just little moments of that take me out of the movie. And I, if again, uh, like what John Carpenter said, if the antagonist isn't a real threat, there is no drama there. And I didn't feel uh, Ultron really put up much of a fight in Guardians of the Galaxy. The reason why that last battle was so effective, it's only one ship going up against, and I can't remember the name of the planet that they're going up against, but that ship that's landing and the guy's got the Infinity Stone, he's got the Ace of Spades in his hand and he just has to drop it. The moment he lands on the planet, puts his hammer down, he's won the fight. That threat was really real. And his ship coming in took out a huge Nova Prime, took out a huge portion of the Nova Prime Armada, you know. Mm. It took them all and they lost a lot of ships um, in that battle. They, They lost Groot, Groot died. 
Um, you know, spoilers for oh Guardians dear, of the I'm really sorry because you guys should definitely check out Guardians of the Galaxy. I really didn't mean to spoil that. I should have put up warning. Sorry, guys. Um, th- that's why that that last scene was so effective because the threat of somebody dying was there all the time. When Quicksilver died, I didn't feel that threat there, but it was a shock to me. Oh, they they kill somebody off, you know. But it wasn't like oh, is somebody gonna die? Somebody could die, you know. That drama just wasn't we hadn't there. had enough time to care about Quicksilver really. Yeah. And that, like, you know, it, it didn't really matter. That the shields that they used on Nova Prime in Guardians of the Galaxy were very cool. How all the ships interlock. Oh, and, and I loved it how um, they all came together at the end. You know, he's screaming, "I can't hold it!" And then that raccoon guy's going, "Just a second, just just wait, just wait." And then he blows up, realizing that they had all died. All those pilots. They all. Mm. Yeah, that was really great. You know, with Ultron when having that stealth ship would have come in handy when he was trying to put himself into Vision's body. (laughs) Like, then they wouldn't have been able to track him and find him, and he would have had time to upload himself into that body. Just saying. (laughs) I feel like the stealth ship was like a a thing they decided on to help the Hulk's exit. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Otherwise, he has no reason not to stick around or... What, what would have made that it, even you know? more effective is um, Bruce ba- um, Bruce Banner seeing images of people dead from what the Hulk did, you mm. know. And it was weird after not not soon after that when they make um, Vision and Captain America comes in there and tells them stop what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing, and then they fight. We have the first initial real fight, physical fight confrontation between Captain America and Iron Man. And again, in that scene, Iron Man, uh, Captain America gets hit in the chest. And then after that scene, they, you know, they're all friends again. <laughs> hmm. Maybe Captain America is really frustrated because I just read an article that suggested he was a virgin. <laughs> like, when would it have happened? He was sort of a scrawny guy. And then when he became a super soldier, he was all about the fight. Then he was frozen. He never got to go on that date with that girl. And maybe that explains why his little dance fantasy sequence was his dream (laughs) and he's too perfect to go to you know um to those places you know to amsterdam let's just say the red you know the (laughs) the red light district he's just too perfect to be seen at one of those places he's wholesome is what he is (laughs) the ending with hulk i would have preferred if when he was on the stealth plane he would have calmed down and become mark ruffalo bruce banner again yeah i'm still not uh, sure if Hulk is the Hulk. How much of Bruce Banner is there intellectualizing anything or articulating anything in the mind? Is he a completely different being that just rages, or is he actually Bruce Banner um, in control? I'm pretty sure he isn't in control. Otherwise, he wouldn't have killed all those people in Johannesburg. That's it. Yeah. So when he's the Hulk, he's out of control. But I think they're Jekyll and Hyde. Like they live with each other. Sure. Yeah. Like one takes control, but. If, you know, the Hulk was able to turn off the screen, like she's trying to direct him to turn off stealth modes, they can find him or turn the ship around or whatever, and he turns off the screen, that would have been way more effective if it was Mark Ruffalo, like actively saying, you pushed me, you turned me into the Hulk, I wasn't happy with that. By turning off the screen as the Hulk, it's sort of almost accidental. I know that it's not played that way, but it's it's not as much of an emotional moment. If that makes sense, like you would have seen it in Mark Ruffalo's face, his disappointment. And Mark Ruffalo's going to have an Oscar one day. I'm not. I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, uh, he's been. Yeah, you. We we did a podcast on Martha May Marlene, and yeah. um, uh, you know, she is an incredible actress. The person who played uh, Scarlett Johansson, Elizabeth Scarlett Olsen, Johansson, yeah. Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen, and yeah. Mark Ruffalo is the same. Like they do these uh, uh, independent movies, and they're both very good. And this like pays the bill sort of thing. Like they're coming in here. Oh, great! I got a role in a billion dollar project. <laughs> you know, but this is isn't their meat and potatoes sort of thing like they're very very good outside of um, blockbusters well i mean i don't think it's the it's doing much for the craft i think it's just like being a part of this is an experience whereas like mark ruffalo did begin again and uh he's up for a few other little things like i can't remember all of them there's one i want to say it's something infinity polar bear as well i watched the uh, he did a film with gwyneth paltrow about how he's a recovering sex addict as well. So there's these really interesting characters he's creating. And I don't doubt that 
in the coming years he'll be nominated for something yeah michael well. mann talked him up so much in collateral and i don't want to say he's a bit part in collateral he plays a significant part but it isn't one of the major parts but on the audio commentary he was like going this guy is extremely talented and and he was in Foxcatcher as well the like wrestler a movie. physical transformation in that what do you think of the new avengers by the end of this film they've got war machine who was really an afterthought in this film as well he basically was backup, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I like War Machine. I kind of feel sorry for him. He's always the underdog, you know. He's in there, tries to put up a fight, gets in trouble, and all the rest have to save him. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so it was. Let me see if I can remember it. So it was um, Captain America, uh, Black Widow. Yep. Is Hawkeye? War Machine. Hawkeye's in it? No, no Hawkeye's no, not. I think he's back with his family. Yep. Uh, Witch, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. Is that everybody? No, the guy with the wings. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, like um, from the Captain America movie, right? Yeah. right. Clarence from 8 Mile. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to reference that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I beat you to it. <laughs> they had their big fist moment as well. In the first film, there's that moment where Hulk punches away Thor. Hilarious, right? <laughs> In this one, Ultron says with the benefit of hindsight and then gets punched by the hulk you know <laughs> and people want to see the hulk doing stuff like that you know you don't want to see eric banner's hulk <laughs> you want you want this hulk we're happy with this one i mean by the end of this film it was bloated there were too many characters it was crowded yeah yeah i mean it was an action film ultimately there was lots of action it was great for that that sequence with vision killing ultron you know the best line there was where he says, you're unbelievably naive. Well, I was born yesterday. I was born yesterday. So hammy. Yeah, but I mean, almost kind of perfect for the moment. But yeah, the the sacrifice of Quicksilver saving Hawkeye, I mean, I didn't believe it. (laughs) That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. I thought it was a great death. And now you brought up, couldn't you just stop the bullets? Yeah. Yeah. And just go faster the, than yeah. the bullets. Couldn't he just avoid the, the them? The Quicksilver I mean. from um, Days of Future Past would have put on headphones, checked his watch, yep. ran over, put the bullets to the side, and went, "Hey, didn't you see? I bet you didn't see that one coming." And then fly back. You know? hmm. Look, there's a sense of nothing lasts forever, is what they say. So they break up the Avengers. Thor says goodbye. Iron Man says goodbye. You know, Captain America's there with his new Avengers team. It was all big setup. You know, there's so much Infinity Stone talk. I just, it felt like a real, just pushing pieces around a board kind of episode. You know, the stakes weren't quite right. Am I missing something? Is because I I seriously thought Age of Ultron was a two part movie. Like I, I no, didn't. Yeah, I, I thought Infinity Stones is the two part. Okay, I, I so I thought uh, when it ended, I'm like, oh, Ultron's dead. Okay, <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, okay. What, what are we doing now? Um, so is Joss Whedon going to c- carry on, or is he pulling out? He's like, yeah, I'm done. No, he's exhausted himself. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, and I'm not sure about this at all, but I think the two guys who did Captain America: Winter Soldier, yeah, which was brilliant. I want to say Russo, R U S S O. I'm not sure, but those two I think are on board for Infinity War. Uh, sorry, who's the other one? I think there's two of them. Oh, two, uh, directors. Uh, two directors directed Winter Soldier. Yeah, oh, okay. I didn't know that. On, Sorry, yep. I'm betting this is all online, and I'll dig it up in a sec. <laughs> but, you know, that mid-credits sequence, let's talk about that. A Thanos scene. Josh Brolin's going to be playing I it. really like Josh Brolin as Thanos. Um, a lot of people didn't. Like, uh, I think Screen Junkie, shout out to them again. Uh, they did a whole b- nerd battle thing over who should play Thanos. You know, and uh, Josh Brolin wasn't the best one for it. I thought he was brilliant. I really like Josh Brolin. He's just been in terrible movies since his big hit with uh, No Country for Old Men. But, you know, I I really love him. Just his facial structures, the way he smiles, the way he grins. is his underlying power that he just, you know, he knows more than what the person is presenting in front of him. You know, is this all-seeing? He's he's great. I heard... uh, like I used to read uh, a few comic books of Thanos and he is a really boring character because he's too godlike and I really hate to say Superman is a boring character because he's too godlike but the biggest dilemma all writers have when they approach a character like Superman was well, what's the point what's the danger if somebody's so invincible you know like um and uh, that's the danger with Thanos he's so invincible um, you know, it becomes ultimately boring, but uh, I really can't wait to see this build up. I just hope the payoff is as good as the build up. 
Just to clarify, Anthony and Joe Russo uh, both directed Captain America The Winter Soldier, and uh, they're both directing Captain America Civil War, and they're both directing Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. Wow, okay, awesome. So, all right, just to make it clear, um, Joss Whedon's now pulling out. This is his last Avengers film. He's, he's, He's done. At least for now. I mean, there's possibility of him writing more or, like, you know, but I think... There's an element of him being burnt out. Yeah. I mean, this doing both films, a guy that talented because he loved Shakespeare. He's a huge Shakespeare fan. Um, a guy that talented just gets bored. They just can't stick around. Like uh, Christopher Nolan can really dig his heels in, and you know, even he needed a break in between the Batman franchises. He did a movie in between each one. You know, like he just couldn't do mm-hmm. Batman for ten years. <laughs> this is it. Another movie called Age of Adeline came out. Have you heard about that one? Blake Lively, who's from uh, Gossip Girl and Green Lantern, she's in a movie with Harrison Ford where she doesn't age. And so it's called Age of Adeline. She's, you know, 60 years old or whatever, and she looks like a 25-year-old. That I wonder how many people accidentally bought tickets to that. Just going, oh, I'll have the, the Age of Adeline, is it? What is it? What are we watching? <laughs> Just they came out around the same time. I just I gotta wonder if that was intentional marketing from the Age of Adeline producers. <laughs> anyway, it's like when uh, those people, those parents who hire Transformers for their kids and they get Transmorphers. Just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, kid. <laughs> it made me think of something we should do on the podcast, Lloyd. And I don't know if people will dig this or not. I'd love to hear some feedback at facebook.com/podme if you can. I'd like to maybe do some versus movies where you pick two movies with either a similar title or a similar theme. I'm thinking, for example, like Deep Impact and Armageddon came out around the same time, similar kind of Armageddon type movie, uh, end of the world stuff, and pit them against each other like in a versus situation. So the episode would be called Deep Impact versus Armageddon, for example. Like which one's better? Yeah, and we would discuss the differences and where one went wrong and one went right. But um, I don't know all the ones we could do. I'd love to hear some suggestions. So put your requests on the Facebook page. Uh, Lloyd, we've got quite a lot of films coming up. I don't know if we're going to cover everything we want to cover because there are so many blockbusters. It's going to be, you know, uh, summer in America. And we're going to definitely see Jurassic World, at least. <laughs> in the lead up to Star Wars, there's just tons of stuff we've talked about on this podcast. But uh, I think we've mentioned Mad Max several times as well. Yeah, but do you want to maybe tell people we've got a month coming up in the near future? In the near future, we'll be covering a subject that every person um, holds dear to them with a lot of, uh, what should, how should I put this, Dis, uh, disgruntlement? Like, they, they really dislike this subject, but we're, po- we're going to do cover a whole month of video game movies. And a lot of people have been disappointed with a lot of the adaptations that have gone to fil- gone on to film, we'll be covering four of those movies, four movies that Dave and I will select uh, from the genre of video game adaptations. We'll be covering on our video um, reviews. For those of you who don't know and just listen to our podcast, we do video reviews. They're only going for five, six, several minutes each um, on obscure movies with famous stars. So, you know, you'll see uh, an early work of, Bra- of a Brad Pitt film or a Michael Keaton film, you know, during his period just before Bird man before he came back up again in between sorry batman and birdman he's done a lot of b-grade movies so um we do a lot of reviews on our youtube youtube channel so we'll be um, covering four video game adaptations um and we'll be doing a podcast on video game movies themselves that's it and the upcoming video game movies that we're going to see come out of hollywood in the near future yeah there's a lot to come out it's a it's a sounds like a million dollar billion dollar franchise sorry that they're going to tap into hopefully well this is it i mean we're going to talk about that we're going to select a month in the near future and that's going to be video game month and pod me if you can uh if you go to podmeifyoucan.com, you can find links there to the youtube channel lloyd mentioned and uh those obscure films are going up every week so um Thanks very much for everyone who's checked those out. I don't know exactly what the next thing we do will be, but I'd like to pitch to you, Lloyd, that our next episode should be best teams. Now you've talked about liking the Avengers. You like <laughs> we should throw Fast down some parameters like um, of teams because I was I was I, I love team movies, but now that I'm I'm thinking about it, going maybe 
would Avengers count as a teen movie? Yeah, that's definitely a teen movie. What about Fantastic Four? You know, Armageddon counts as a teen movie. You know? We should we should just select how many people can be in a team <laughs> yeah. because two is a duo. Yeah, that's, that's a buddy, a buddy cop, cop thing, film. You know? Yeah, definitely. So it's not two. Is three a team? Maybe, maybe. I, I would go so far as four just to get that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Four or more is a team movie. All right. So we'll say four or more as a team and we'll do the next podcast on the best teams in films our opinion how do you like that yeah no that's perfect all right lock it in we've got an exclusive here on the podcast Uh, haven't plugged this for a while but we're in itunes and so if you listen to us through itunes we'd love you to rate us or uh, leave us a comment it all helps uh new people find the show and if you want to suggest things come back at us with information about age of ultron or anything else you've heard uh facebook.com slash podney if you can is the best place to become a fan and start a conversation with us. Lloyd, as always, a pleasure. And uh, I suppose we'll get psyched up for the next Marvel film. Um, I guess Ant-Man is next? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we're going to cover that, but there's so many movies this year, um, as as Dave said, and we're going to try and find time for a lot of them. That's it. Well, we'll see what the next one like Marvel vs. DC. I don't know what's going to come next in the comic book world, but next time on the podcast, best teams. Look forward to that. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 